Tianakwe. My name is Will Appleby, and this is Animal Matters. On today's show, crisis in the East China Sea, where a livestock vessel capsized carrying nearly 6,000 New Zealand cows bound to China. We'll run through the series of events as we know them, and also hear the recording from our virtual protest to ban live export. Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation. As always, we're here to open up for discussion the key issues facing animals. We bring you the latest news and commentary every fortnight, with a focus on the exploitation of animals. Animal Matters is also on Patreon. You can support the show by heading to patreon.com forward slash animal matters and making a monthly pledge. Patrons can unlock bonus content and get early access to new episodes before they're released. More than 40 crew members are missing, including two New Zealanders, after a ship carrying nearly 6,000 cows got into trouble during Typhoon Maysak in the East China Sea. Strong winds and torrential rain are hampering the search. At 4.45 New Zealand time on Wednesday, September 2nd, about two weeks ago, the captain of Gulf Livestock One, a livestock vessel shipping 5,867 New Zealand cows to China, issued a distress signal. The ship was in the eye of a storm, sailing through the East China Sea, which was being battered by a typhoon. There were 43 crew members on board, 39 from the Philippines, 2 from New Zealand and 2 from Australia. It's a tragedy. So far, only 3 people have been rescued, although one has since died. Search and rescue have been unable to find any sign of the ship, other than the bodies of some of those cars who were on board. I need to start off by saying that our thoughts are with the families of the ship's crew who are currently lost at sea. I can't even begin to imagine what they're going through right now. It's a terrible thing to happen, and I really do hope their loved ones make it home. Some of our detractors would say that now is not the time to discuss the rights and wrongs of the live export trade. In fact, that's exactly what Federated Farmers have said. I disagree. When 5,867 cars and 41 crew have been lost at sea on a live export ship... It's our responsibility to talk about this issue and the inherent risks of live export. Today, unfortunately, I won't have a guest joining me. So what I'm going to do is present to you a play-by-play of what's happened and what we know and where we go to next to try and ban live export. Then we'll have clips taken from our virtual protest to ban live export, which we hosted online on Wednesday night. To begin, and we've canvassed this quite a bit on Animal Matters, but some context might help. Last year in June, Agriculture Minister Damien O'Connor launched a review into the live export trade. This was prompted by an expose from ABC News in Australia, who found thousands of New Zealand and Australian cows sick and dying in Sri Lanka. In a statement released when announcing the review, the minister said the following, When animals leave New Zealand, we set conditions that are considered world-class by veterinarians. But there have been incidences over the last few years that highlight the fact that once animals leave New Zealand, we have very limited ability to ensure their well-being when they reach their destination. That's something that's not acceptable to me, and I know it's not acceptable to a large number of New Zealanders. Consumers increasingly care about where their food comes from. Animal welfare standards are a growing focus of consumers around the world. We need to ensure we have the highest level of animal welfare standards. Our economic well-being depends on it. In October 2019, the minister expressed his preference for a conditional ban on the live export of cattle. It should be noted that this review only pertains to the export of deer, cattle, sheep and goats. It doesn't include the export of day-old chicks, which make up about 99% of the animals we export every year. Last year, we exported a staggering 2 million day-old chicks. Progress on the review has been slow, which allegedly was held up by the outbreak of COVID-19 earlier this year. Meanwhile, the export of live cows has been on the increase. We've already exported more cows than we did in all of 2019. 
In August, the minister also said the ability for farmers to export at this time relieves pressure from a shortage of feed as a result of a major drought, which is still affecting a lot of farmers around New Zealand. So, in short, the Agriculture's Minister's intentions were becoming increasingly unclear, and it was looking like we wouldn't receive the results of the review until after the election. This is a problem for a bunch of reasons. Firstly, because it was dragging out an already long process but also because the minister wasn't taking a firm position on the live export trade until the review was finished. In fact, no one was. At SAFE's political panel for animals, both New Zealand First MP Mark Patterson and Nationals David Bennett said they'd wait until the review was completed before taking a position. It was only Green MP Gareth Hughes who would commit his party to a ban on live export. It's kicking the can down the road a bit, Everyone knows the review is delayed until after the election, so it's an easy excuse to be able to not commit to a potentially controversial promise. On the 14th of August, Golf Livestock 1 departed Napier, carrying 5,867 cows headed for China. 19 days later, it issued a distress signal in the vicinity of Typhoon Maizark and went missing. It wasn't for another 24 hours until news broke in New Zealand of the missing ship. On Thursday the 3rd of August, the Japanese Coast Guard rescued one of the crew members. He was found drifting in rough waters in a life jacket. The rescued crew member reported that the ship's engine failed in rough waters. An engine failure at sea can be a death sentence because the ship's driver can't orient the ship perpendicular to oncoming waves. If a large, top-heavy ship gets hit side-on by a large wave, it'll likely capsize. This is exactly what happened to the Gulf Livestock 1 before sinking. At around 6pm on September 3, the Ministry for Primary Industries issued a statement announcing they were temporarily suspending consideration of animal welfare export certificates for live cattle exports. Search and rescue for the ship has now ended, and the Ministry for Primary Industries have appointed Michael Heron QC to review the assurances it receives when it considers an application for an animal welfare export certificate. Next on the show, we'll play for you the audio from Wednesday night's virtual protest to ban live export. We hosted this protest on Zoom, which was live streamed on Facebook. We had some amazing guests, which included Lim White from Animals Australia, Kelly Dent from World Animal Protection, New Plymouth District Councillor Annika Carlson and Laura O'Connell-Rapia, the Director of Action Station. We were also joined by Green MP Gareth Hughes and leader of the Sustainable New Zealand Party, Vernon Tava. Without further ado, here is our recording of the virtual protest to ban live export. Kia ora, everybody. Welcome. No mai, haere mai. Welcome to our virtual protest to ban New Zealand live export. It is fantastic to have you joining us from all around Aotearoa, New Zealand, and in fact, all around the world. This is an international live streamed event. Uh, I'll introduce myself to kick things off. My name is Julie Gunn. Uh, I'm here in uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand, hosting this event Um, And I'll be the glue that's holding it all together. We've got so much fun and really, really important things that we're going to do together this evening. Uh, We have over 6,000 people have registered to join our event. So that is fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time. Whatever time zone you're in, uh, it's a really, really important time. Uh, People are on Zoom and also on Facebook, and you'll have chances to to take part on both of those. People have already been speaking out about this issue, the issue of live export of animals from New Zealand. Already over 20,000 people have sent emails to our Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, in the last two weeks asking her for an end to live export. So thank you so much for those who have have done that already. Uh, We'd love to know who you all are and where you're all from. So if you could put in the chat box, you'll see if you're on Zoom, little chat box at the bottom there, uh, or if you're on Facebook, put in the comments there. Please put your name and tell us where you're from, uh, because we've got a whole community, an international community. Oh, I see it all popping up there already. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, hey, you might might meet somebody that you know, or uh, make connections with somebody in your own town or across the world. For those of you on Zoom, you can add your uh, comments and questions. 
uh, in the chat box there and we're going to be adding the actions as we go through this evening into that chat box so keep an eye on that and if there's anything that comes up we'll, we'll post it again um, and it's also posted in the um, all of the actions are posted in the Facebook event description so as I can see that Zoom chat box is filling up uh, and also for the people on Facebook put your comments in the comments section there as well but again looking at the Facebook event description that's where all of our actions are going to be tonight so if you get lost along the way somewhere just check back there uh, and I'll let you know of some important things a couple of hashtags that we're using our housekeeping rules, please keep your comments polite. Uh, this is a pretty uh, emotive issue for a lot of people and it can, you know, strike really deep and maybe you've got a whole well of emotions coming up. Uh, but we do ask that we keep our comments polite and our questions polite. If you're asking a question or making a point, just make it once. The moderators will pick up. We've got lots of eyes on our chat boxes to pick up your questions and comments as we go. Uh, and we do encourage your questions throughout this event. So please... Um, don't be fakama, don't be shy, jump on in there. We would love to hear from you. We're going to be taking lots of social media actions as well. Remember, please just keep that polite. We've got a number of politicians who will be commenting too. Uh, so to have the most impact, we really want to keep it polite, keep it to the point, and we can help you out with some of the wording if you're uh, not sure there as well. Hey, this event is being recorded on Zoom. So this is just for those joining on Zoom. Uh, it is being live recorded as we go. If you feel more comfortable uh, not being recorded, then you're very welcome to turn your video off. That's not a problem. Or if you um, change your mind, kind of pop in and out as you go, that's fine. You can just turn your, turn your video off as you go if you don't want us to, to see you there. Hey, I have some very, very exciting news. As we are kicking off this protest, there is an international advertising campaign that is going live right now in The Guardian UK. So those of you in the UK might see this. So it's fantastic. And you can see we've got uh, some people there joining from uh, all over. So keep your eye out for that. And those of you in the upcoming weeks, keep your eye out for that. It's really important uh, that we're getting international coverage of this. As I mentioned, we've got a couple of hashtags that we would like you to use uh, during this event and also going forward. Again, you'll find those in the uh, Facebook event description, but I'll give them to you now. Hashtag ban live export NZ. That's our first one. And the second one is hashtag all eyes on NZ. So we encourage you to use these. Uh, and these are the things we want. You know, we want live export to be banned and also hey, come and have a look, put your eyes on New Zealand, see what we're doing, because um, we need to do better. So that's all the uh, the things you need to know to get started. I'm just I'm amazed at seeing everybody popping in there. Hi, everybody. It's fantastic. Hey, I would like to start by uh, introducing our very first uh, speaker, Deborah Ashton. She is the CEO of SAFE here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, she has been SAFE CEO since 2018. She's a longtime animal advocate. Her love of animals and her concern for the way they're treated led De Deborah to work with a wide number of groups wanting to make positive changes for animals. Previously, she served on the boards of both SAFE and Wellington SPCA and produced and co-presented an animal rights radio program, which was fantastic. Uh, over to you, Deborah. Uh, thank you, Julie, and uh, thank you for being our wonderful uh, MC uh, for this evening. Kia ora, everybody, and thank you so much for taking part in this very important event to ban live export. Uh, I want to thank my team at SAFE who have put this event together, and I'd like to thank all of you who have taken the time to join us tonight. And I'd also like to give a special thank you to our speakers. SAFE have been campaigning against live export for many, many years. In 2003, New Zealand had stopped exporting live animals for slaughter. However, a loophole still remains which allows animals to be exported for breeding. This is a farce because we all know that animals still get uh, slaughtered eventually anyway. And uh, this is a key point that is often forgotten with those who want to keep this cruel trade alive. What is especially concerning is what conditions are like for animals on board with unpredictable conditions at sea and the fact that animals are going to countries that have no animal welfare standards. 
In New Zealand, we have reasonably good animal welfare laws, which raises the question, why on earth would we be sending our animals to countries overseas who don't? Secondly, why would we want to risk our reputation when live export is worth less than 1% of all of our overall exports? In 2019, Australian and New Zealand cattle were shown to be suffering in Sri Lanka in an expose shown on Australia's ABC show. Following this, our Minister of Agriculture, Damien O'Connor, launched a review into live export, but we're still waiting for the report to be released. In the same year, we took a petition to our parliament containing over 30,000 signatures and we're still waiting for a select committee to hear the submissions. In the past week, our Ministry for Primary Industries announced yet another review which would assess the assurances they give when an application to export live animals comes in. It's really unfortunate, though, that it has taken the sinking of the Gulf Live Export One with 43 crew, including two New Zealanders, and 5,800 and 67 cattle on board to put this issue in the spotlight. But it is it is this tragedy and the pressure from people like all of us here tonight that has prompted our government to put a temporary halt on live export. It's interesting to note that most of New Zealand's exports actually involve day-old chicks, in fact, around about 2.1 million, and, of course, cows, and this year we've sent over 65,000. We also export live eels, a number of sheep, goats, alpacas, llamas and pigs. Some key figures in New Zealand have spoken out against live export just recently, including the former chair of the government's very own Animal Welfare Advisory Committee. The CEO of SAFE, in, uh, sorry, of SPCA in New Zealand, has also uh, spoken out against live export and more recently a farmer. So momentum really is building. So together, let's take more action tonight to ban live export. And on that note, I'm going to hand you back over to Julie. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Fantastic. Hey, it's really important to, um, to get the facts and, uh, yeah, no better person to get them from. Hey, it is now time for me to introduce Will. He is the SAFE Media Manager uh, and he is our interviewer for this evening. So we have got some of the most fantastic people that we're going to speak to this evening. Uh, and his first interview is with Annika Carlson. As well as being the owner of an animal sanctuary, Annika is a first-term New Plymouth District Councillor. She uses her platform to bring animal rights and in particular live export front and centre. She's always been a strong voice for animal rights and established the Taranaki Animal Rights Group, which helps raise awareness around animal issues such as live export. But before we go to this interview, we have something fun to show you. Here is a video of Annika at her animal sanctuary with some of her cows that have been rescued. <laughs> Such a lovely video. Kia ora katoa. Um, my name is Will. It's great to be here today. And it's a pleasure to speak to you, Annika, as well. Um, quickly, the first time we actually met was at a live export protest that SAFE was um, hosting in New Plymouth. So we've really come full circle. Um, <laughs> look, firstly, um, could you tell us a bit about Port Taranaki's involvement? In the live export trade and and the local campaign to end it. Yeah, so I guess the Port Port Taranaki wanted to diversify their business portfolio, and so they 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 started live exporting cows in February this year, um, and that kind of was when it all sort of begun for us. I was disgusted by it, and a lot of other people in the community were disgusted by it, and it was. Um, I guess then going and doing the detail, you find out that actually the port is owned by Taranaki Regional Council, which is run by elected members, um, and they're our voice. And um, I realised very soon we need to be targeted. We need to target them and changing, um, you know, letting them know that we don't want that sort of um, business happening from our port, really. Yeah, and obviously they're elected um, representatives and um, they should be listening to, you know, the voice of the people. And in 
recent media coverage, um, we've seen even from some farmers who are out there and they're not afraid to speak out uh, against live export. You know, there's even farmers in, in your region who are against this as well. Have you been contacted by any local farmers since you started um, your campaign uh, against live export? Yeah, yeah. Like, so lately um, I have been, I've probably been contacted by a handful of farmers um, and more recently by ones who are directly involved in live export who have, I guess, um, are now feeling a little bit guilty and maybe misled by MPI also um, and have said if there's another ship that leaves Port Taranaki, we'll be standing right by you down at the, down there protesting. Um, this is just bad for our reputation, but actually, um, once they've looked further into it, they've realised actually this is this is this we don't want this is not farming. And, um, and you've mentioned as well um, again going back to the fact that Port Taranaki it's owned by the regional council. Um, two other ports, one in Timaru and and Napier, are both owned by um, local body governments. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess, um, and and again, from what I've been able to find out, um, they're run pretty similar to how Port Taranaki is run, whereas the majority of their shares are um, from either the regional council or the district council. So, you know, from from a national perspective, and particularly in those areas of um, Tamaru and uh, Napier, putting pressure on your local uh, elected members to, to start, you know, having those hard conversations and bringing about change is really important. And even from a national perspective, even if you're not in those areas, um, starting from the ground up, uh, I think is is definitely worthwhile. We're definitely putting the pressure on the port here and on um, Taranaki Regional Council. And as I don't know if I mentioned it before, but we're growing in intensity. Mm-hmm. So, um I don't think they're going to want to bring another ship into our port. (laughs) It's just getting worse and worse news to them, isn't it? And they are the owners and um, they're responsible to their constituents. Um, So it takes people on the ground. They have the the power to stop it, you know, literally right now. Um, And, yeah, we we can get them. Carpi. Look, thank you so much, Annika, for for joining us. It's a pleasure to speak with you. And um, back to you, Julie. Thank you. Namahi, thank you, Will. Thank you, Annika. Our very next speaker is Kelly Dent. Uh, After I've introduced her, I'll hand you over to Will for the interview. Kelly has 25 years' experience lobbying and campaigning on climate change, poverty, corporate accountability, trade, labour and human rights around the world. At World Animal Protection, she specialises in international animal welfare laws and company policy, which sees her play a lead role in the development of the Animal Protection Index. This is a ranking of 15, 50, sorry, 50, 50 countries around the globe according to their legislation and policy commitments to protecting animals. Over to you, Will. Thanks, Julie. And um, welcome, Kelly. I'm so great to be here today. Um, and a representative from World Animal Protection. Um, it's great that the work that you do, it really helps us actually tell the story and paint the picture um, of, you know, some of the things that happen in live export uh, trade. Um, just firstly, I think it's important to note that when we talk about animal welfare laws and regulations in other countries, it's not a criticism of other um, of people from other countries or other cultures or ethnicities. Uh, we're talking about laws and regulations. Um Briefly, could you describe the animal protection laws and regulations that currently exist for animals and agriculture in places like the People's Republic of China? Absolutely. And um, thanks for having me. And how amazing to be here and to see everyone that's online. And what a, what a fantastic event. Um, to answer your question, the Animal Protection Index, it's a tool which ranks 50 countries from around the globe. And that is according to the legislation and policy commitments towards protecting animals. China received a G ranking for their laws applying to farm animals and an E ranking overall. Now, we rank on a score, um, a scale, I'm sorry, from A to G. So an E is the lowest ranking. By comparison, New Zealand for farm animals ranks as a C. Uh, We also know that As with many countries, animal sentience is not formally recognised in Chinese legislation and their main animal welfare 
Act contains very minimal animal welfare requirements. It, it does have some, but that they are very minimal. Uh, we have seen some work done in China. Um, uh, you know, however, there is much more to do, and we're obviously also calling on the the Chinese government um, to make sure uh, to include animal sentience in in further legislative reforms. Uh, and that's a, that's a really good point you've made about an, animal sentience because that is recognised in in law in New Zealand in the Animal Welfare Act, nineteen ninety nine. Obviously, it's not in China. Um, again, for some <laughs> of the um, this is obviously a reflection of China's regulations and laws um, for the protection of, of animal welfare, um, not so much the people that live there. Um, what insight do you have into the realities for animals on the ground in the People's Republic of China, considering the closed-off nature of the regime in China? Yeah, great question, Will. Um, we're really lucky at World Animal Protection to have a really incredible team in our China office, and they work really, really hard um, and, and, as I said, have achieved um, some progress. Um, they have been working, for example, with um, China's leading pig producers to commit to ending um, sow stores, but we do know that there's much, much more work to be done in, in China and indeed in all countries around the world, since in our Animal Protection Index, absolutely no country received an A, uh, and we you know, are working really hard and want, want to lobby governments very strongly to actually all governments to improve um, their, their treatment of animals. Um, supporters of the live export trade in New Zealand say that since, cows, since the cows that we export are high-value breeding stock, um, then they will be treated well in their destination countries because the, peop- uh, the countries that are buying them have made a significant investment. Um, what's your th- thoughts on a statement like this? Yeah, so live export for breeding is live export for eventual slaughter. It's cruel, it's inhumane. Um, the reality is that these are you know, animals which once they cease to be productive will either be sold on to whoever will take them or will be slaughtered, often in inhumane conditions that fall well below what is acceptable in New Zealand and what should be acceptable, uh, frankly, to anyone. I mean, of course, there's also the suffering of that animals um, endure on the really long um, voyages that they take, the the cramped conditions, the you know the, the the cruelty, the suffering that they experience, and also a real lack of control over the fate of animals once they arrive in the countries um, that that they are being exported to. And we've already talked about many countries that animals are exported to have uh, conditions that are that are far lower than the countries that they're being being exported from. But even if they were the same conditions, the issue is still the suffering and cruelty that the animals endure on on those horrendous long voyages. And, you know, of course, the tragic example and, and one of the purposes for this protest now with the um, uh, golf life, Live export one. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's only just um, it's 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 put the spotlight back on an issue um, that has been problematic for a long time, um, and, and that's why we're here all today, and um, that's why you're with us as well. And I appreciate you joining with us, Kelly. Um, the work that World Animal Protection does with uh, the Animal Protection Index is really important. It's a powerful tool for us to try and demonstrate. Uh, to the wider community um, what happens in, in, in some of these countries that we export animals to. So um, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Kelly. And, uh, Thanks so much. Sorry, back to, to Julie. Hey, thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us, and thank you, Will. I'm ready to introduce our next speaker, Lynn White. Uh, if we have time, we'll get a few uh, questions some of you after the interview so if you have been putting them in putting them in the chat putting them in the comments we'll see how we go let me introduce lynn she is a former police officer Uh, lynn is one of australia's foremost animal advocates and lobbyists lynn has been investigating the live export trade since 2003 with evidence gathered resulting in significant regulatory reforms and unprecedented animal welfare advancements in a number of countries For her significant contribution to animal protection, Lynn has been appointed a member of the Order of Australia and is a two-time Australian of the Year state finalist. We are so happy to have Lynn here. Over to you, Will. 
Thanks, Julie. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you here, Lynn. Um, I wish it was under better circumstances following the tragedy uh, that occurred with, with Golf's Livestock One. Um, it didn't even seem that long ago you and I were, were chatting, Lynn, about live export. Um, but here we are. Um, look, I know you've been personally investigating and exposing the suffering in the live export trade for over 17 years now. Are there any arguments beyond the direct animal suffering that can be used to convince politicians or the public who remain unconvinced? Hi, Will, and um, yes, there are. But firstly, can I just say I'm so pleased to be able to be with you and I'd really like to be able to say on the behalf of the many thousands of Australians that I know that have joined in on this call that you have our full support in New Zealand towards convincing your government to bring an end to this trade. Fair to say, as Aussies, we have lived through time and time again the distress from the suffering in this trade being exposed. And um, from my own perspective, what I've seen also each time is this incredible wave of compassion that has brought us each time ever closer to bringing an end to the trade. So in knowing that there's not only Aussies and New Zealanders on this call but people from right around the world, I'm sure we share a commitment to creating that global wave of compassion and convincing your government to honour all of the lives that were lost in this tragedy by being the first country that brings an end to this trade. So I look forward to working with you towards that. But as to, um, yes, 17 years of working on this trade and investigations and, um, you know, I think we all know it's a trade that's been littered with disasters in terms of shipboard rejections and and weather events and uh, mechanical breakdowns. And also, as other speakers have spoken to, of course, we are exporting animals to countries that have no laws to protect them from cruelty. And I think the key thing that I think that extends beyond those individual animals is the example that this trade sets to countries that are still to embrace that we have a moral duty to protect animals from harm. Many of the countries that we export to still trade in animals, trade in their use and and see them as objects to be traded in and and slaughtered. And again, I have many good friends in these countries now that want to change this. But what countries like New Zealand and Australia are doing by participating in this trade is, is setting the worst possible example, not only because of the shipboard suffering that everyone is aware of, that animals suffer and die en route, but in the fact that we have as countries, we project that we have this evolved view of animal welfare only to put it to one side and abandon those animals when there is, is commercial opportunities and profit on offer. That is the worst possible example we could set. And, uh, you know, some of my um, the moments that I've had on investigations in being able to access abattoirs and markets in uh, across the Middle East and North Africa was simply through being out of sales in Australia And as soon as they knew that I was an Australian and they had Australian animals, they just instantly assumed that all Australians must support how they were treating them. And as we know, that's simply not the case. So, you know, I think every politician in our country, in your country, would say that they want to improve animal welfare globally. If that's the case, the first step is for countries such as ours to set an example that will actually promote animal welfare rather than undermine the progress of animal welfare internationally. Mm-hmm. Which leads me quite well to my next question. In your view, is this a trade that could ever be done in a way that could be argued to be humane? Um, politicians here, and, and quite obviously in Australia as well, they talk about improvements, how they can um, you know, ensure that the, the best animal welfare protections will, will be maintained. Um, but is that a, do you think that's possible? Well, I think the reality is for those of us that really understand this trade well, and, you know, I've ended up with some very good friends of people that were once involved in this trade, and and I still have friends that are involved in it that, um, you know, speak to us because of their concerns about it. But there are layers upon layers of suffering in this. You know, it's not only the obvious um, issues which have been spoken to, but, um, you know, you could give each animal a states as their own state room, states room, room and uh, and give them you know two meters of hay, but it's not going to change the fact that they came from a paddock in the open air with solid ground under their feet, um, you know, and basically a, a calm, noiseless environment to be loaded on a ship with a hard metal floor 
that is constantly vibrating under them, that there is the noise, constant noise of the generators for um, the um, ventilation systems. So that is even when they're in port. There are elements that create fear and distress and stress. And then you send them out in the open ocean and all of us can imagine. And, you know, there, there is barely a calm sea. There are seas with swells. But regardless, you know, we know in this day and age that the inflicting of unnecessary harm on animals includes fear, terror and distress. It's not just physical harm. And sadly, this is a trade that inflicts both. So can it be made humane? No, because suffering is inherent to its business model and it's an accepted part of it. And that's, you know, we know that because mortalities are written in and mortalities are just the end result. Um, for some animals, the suffering and the unnecessary stress goes across all of the animals that are shipped. Mm. Is your sense that, that there is a real chance right now in New Zealand um, a real chance right now that New Zealand could be the, f- the first country to prohibit live export? You know, I have a high hope, and that's probably because, you know, this is a tragedy because of the, the human and animal loss of life that has been felt across every sector. And whether one is a politician or a farmer or a general community member, I think everyone has struggled not to imagine the final moments of both the animals and the the seafarers that were on that ship. So I think there's some common ground here to be found based on compassion, based on um, grief, based on the desire for this never to happen again. And if that is a state of desire, then live export must end. And, you know, it's not just really um, um, the issues around these, these individual shipments, you know, as I say, that from a country such as New Zealand who prides itself in so many ways on its standards to actually undermine the progress of animal welfare internationally by participating in a trade that that suffering is inherent to. You know, there are so many arguments this trade is unnecessary, nonsensical, it's contrary to our values, it puts human and animal lives at risk and it will impact New Zealand's reputation. You know, if the response to this tragedy is not to end the live trade, then they will be at constant risk of another disaster. It's inevitable or will just happen in another way or its reputation can be enhanced. But I do believe that this is a rare opportunity, as some of the other speakers have talked to, to find common ground. You know, it's not a radical principle to suggest that animals born and bred in New Zealand should remain in New Zealand care and protection. It's something we can all agree on, regardless of our views on animals. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, just quickly, because we're running out of time, um, but h- how do you think we can best honour these animals? Well, we all want the law to change, and we know that the law is meant to reflect um, societal moral standards and protect the vulnerable. But beyond that, you know, I think this is a time that we really need to reflect on what is fundamentally wrong with our thinking that allows animals to be put on ships like that. And this comes back to an inherited system of thinking that. Um, gives animals raised for food less moral consideration and protection than other animals. And this is what fundamentally needs to shift if we're going to protect animals from suffering. And I honestly think that these are moments in time where global communities who care come together and just can honour these animals by, you know, becoming living, breathing examples of a new way of living towards animals. And I know that there will be numerous... Australians on this call that um, that are prepared to make that commitment today and um, and really create a new belief system that you know is in line with compassion in line with kindness and let our hearts speak versus you know how we've been programmed to think about these animals and and that will lead I think to a new way of living and being that's my hope anyway that's mine too um look thank you so much Lynn um uh, I can honestly say our, our chat is filled up with people who are absolutely praising you right now. You're a hero um, and I have to agree with them. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, it was, you know, a Thursday, two weeks ago, I woke up at 5am to my phone and it was an email from you telling us what had happened. And um, and it's been a roller coaster since then. So look, thank you so much. And thank you for being here today. Thank you, Will. Uh, Julie, I'll throw it back to you. 
Thank you so much for being with us and thank you, Will. We are so lucky to have the most incredible speakers to join us, giving us our time, their experience and their wisdom. Thank you all so much. So uh, what do you reckon? Should we have some live interviews with some of New Zealand political figures? We, uh, we have a couple. Here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> no, we do have them. You may have seen their faces around if you're looking through uh, on the videos that we've got uh, showing up from everybody here. So we have uh, Gareth Hughes, there's a name you would have heard, and Vernon Tava. Let me introduce you both. Uh, let me introduce them to you, and then Will is going to interview them. So Gareth Hughes. Gareth graduated from Victoria University with a degree in Religious Studies, History and Politics. He worked for Greenpeace for nearly a decade and has done a stint on the Rainbow Warrior. Gareth entered Parliament in 2010, the youngest MP at the time. Uh, Gareth's main focuses are cleaner energy, protecting the environment, and embracing technology and innovation. She is currently the Green Spokesperson for Animal Welfare, uh, and is also currently the longest-serving Green MP. Fantastic. Uh, also have, I'm just going to introduce you uh, both together here, Vernon Tava. He is the founder and leader of Sustainable New Zealand, the Sustainable New Zealand Party. He's a practising barrister, specialising in criminal defence. He was elected for two terms as a member of the Waitamata Local Board of Auckland Council. He founded the party out of a concern that for too long, a vote for the environment it also meant a vote to the left of Labour and a grab bag of fringe issues. Sustainable New Zealand has been formed to put sustainability at the centre of politics and save the environment for being just a left-wing issue. Thank you so much for joining us. Over to you, Will. Thanks, Julie. Uh, welcome, Gareth. Welcome, Vernon. It's great to have you both here today. Um, both of your parties, the Green Party and Sustainable New Zealand, uh, you've come out with policies uh, against live exports, uh, even before um, the sinking of Gulf Lifestyle One. Um, Gareth, is this is banning live export going to be a priority uh, for your party uh, leading up to the October elections? Hey, Will and uh, Julie and everyone. Uh, it's awesome to see you all, and it's amazing seeing all those tweets out there. Can I just start by saying we've still got two Kiwis missing at sea, so I really want to acknowledge their family. I know the government's supporting through Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade, and uh, you know our hearts go out to them. This is a horrific tragedy, and it is a priority for the Green Party. You know, it's something we've been crystal clear uh, for, for, for many, many years in Parliament. And, of course, the tragedy we see uh, on the front page of our newspapers isn't the first problem we've seen with live export. We've seen the scandal of Sri Lanka. We've seen accidents happen overseas. And it's something that I've actually taken up with the minister. Now, I was debating the minister, Damien O'Connor, and he said, well, Gareth, it's kind of like the Inter-Islander, right? The animals are only in there for a short amount of time. It's not like that at all. A unique perspective I can maybe bring to this debate is I've sailed around the New Zealand uh, waters on the Rainbow Warrior, and we've got some incredibly rough conditions. And we literally are at the bottom of the world. So we know these animals are suffering. They're in distress. We know of numerous accidents. We've seen uh, terrible examples where tens of thousands of animals have been on a single vessel with only a single vet on board. So it's just not good enough. So it is a priority for us. You can see that commitment from us in our election manifesto, which is published on our website. This is the document we'll be taking to the post-election negotiations, <clears throat> where we hope to once again be part of forming the next government. Uh, this is a commitment from us that it'll be a priority to negotiate. You can see it in our actions this term in government. We've called for the strongest possible ban. I've personally called on the Minister for Haste. Previously, I've called on the Minister, sorry, the Director General of the Ministry of Primary Industries to put in place a moratorium. I thought it made no sense to continue this practice while it was being actively reviewed. Mm. In the wake of the Gulf Livestock One, I called for a suspension, which was successful, and I've spoken at a number of events. Can, can I please now take this opportunity to thank SAFE for their amazing campaign and organising uh, the numerous events they've organised, uh, which I've had the pleasure to participate and show the Green Party's commitment. You know, my vision and the Green Party's vision is a country which respects animals, that has the highest quality and standards. That's not consistent with live exports. Mm. We need your political support to, to, to force Labour to do the right thing. Uh, we haven't seen the action we deserve uh, under the current Labour government. So 
Keep sending those tweets. And with your political support this election, we can make sure we ride it into the formation of the next government. Kia ora koutou. Vernon, you have um, Sustainable New Zealand um, also has a, a policy um, around live export. Um, it's been there again since before the, the, the capsize of Gulf Livestock One. Um, is this a priority for you as well leading up to this election? Absolutely. It's a very high priority for Sustainable New Zealand, the party, and has been for me personally uh, for many years. I, I trained as a lawyer uh, and was a, um, wrote a lot of uh, legal academic work and gave talks around the country about the state of our animal welfare law, which looks great on first reading. We've got the five freedoms. We've got the, rec- uh, the recognition of animal sentience. All this great stuff on the surface. But when you look a little bit deeper, uh, the picture is not so pretty. You see, fundamentally, we humans make these very strange distinctions around the way we treat animals. We've got our cats and our dogs and the things we like to hug and have in our homes. And then we've got the other animals, the farmed animals, uh, who are treated with the most abysmal cruelty. And to us, it's sustainable New Zealand. And to me personally, that distinction doesn't make any sense. So if there were a common denominator that goes through our animal policy, which I'd urge you to go and have a look at on our website, sustainablenz.org.nz, if there's a golden thread that runs through all of it, it's that all animals should be treated equally because they all feel fear, happiness, pain, distress, and they all deserve, they all have the fundamental right, and it's on us to guarantee that for them, to be free from fear, pain, and distress. Um, Because industrialised cruelty is mostly invisible. It's very rare that we actually see what goes on behind the scenes. And it takes sometimes a tragedy like the one we've seen. And of course, there's been this terrible loss of human life, but just the sheer scale of the animal lives lost. And when we just imagine, we think, what if it were my dog or my cat or an animal that I cared about that was in those horrendous conditions? on high seas, in fear of their life, drowning in a container that they couldn't escape from. It's one of the worst fates imaginable. And to know that an animal that's at least as intelligent as a dog that can feel that fear and that pain and that horror of knowing that it and every everyone with it is going to die is a thing that when we see it, we say no more. We will not tolerate this. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we are, and I am personally, and Sustainable New Zealand is absolutely and implacably opposed to live export, it would be an absolute bottom line. Should we be um, fortunate enough to be sitting around a coalition table uh, in negotiations, it would be an absolute bottom line uh, that live live export needs to end immediately. There doesn't need to be a gentle transition out of this one. This is something that could just end right away, and it should. We New Zealanders have led the world before, and I think this is our chance to do it again. Yes, that's our moment, isn't it? Uh, Vernon, Sustainable New Zealand, Gareth Hughes, uh, the Green Party, thank you very much for being here this evening um, and um, for for drawing a line in the sand, so to speak. Um, Thank you so much, Dave, for doing this tonight and for doing everything you do. Cheers, thanks. And uh, back to you, Julie. Thank you. Well, thanks, Gareth and Vernon, uh, for being here. We know it's a busy time on the campaign trail. We are in an election period in New Zealand, which is why it's important. It's always important to let our politicians know what we think and what we want from them. But especially now, we have an election coming up. They want our votes. They need our votes. That's the only way they get into Parliament our votes. So let's tell them what we need from them. We're going to do a quick summary of the actions uh, that we have taken. We started off, our first action was that Facebook photo frame. Remember, if you're on Facebook, uh, you can put a photo frame around your profile picture. So we've left the links there uh, on the event page on Facebook for this event. So go check that out. Uh, Or you can just, when you go into your update your profile photo, it'll give you there an option of adding a frame and you can choose the ban live export frame. Uh, We had Twitter and Facebook comments going on to a number of our politicians, our leader Jacinda Ardern, uh, those politicians who are particularly involved in agriculture and trade, uh, also all of the big uh, political parties, but hey, we've got some smaller ones too, go at all of them. So tweet at them, uh, comment on their Facebook. We've given you some examples of what to do for words. Remember, just keep it polite, keep it friendly, tell them the truth. That's what we're hearing here. The truth is sad and horrible enough. We know that we have to end live export. Uh, And the last action we've taken this evening together is letting Jacinda know. Yeah, in New Zealand, we call her Jacinda. We're pretty close to our politicians, so first name basis. And because of that, we can ask our friend Jacinda, hey, 
we want you. We need you to ban this. So jump onto her Facebook page and also her Instagram. Uh, and somebody did just say earlier, she's actually on Facebook Live at the moment. So she's going to get the stuff popping up. Remember, keep doing it through this evening and you can keep going uh, with the days and the weeks ahead, as I said, especially leading up to our election. Uh, so thank you so much for the action you're taking. It really, really does make a difference. It's really important. Thank you. I would like to introduce uh, our very last speaker. And in fact, this is a pre-recorded interview. And once you hear who it is, it's no, no wonder why. A very, very busy person, Laura O'Connell Rapera. She, uh, Laura is Te Atiawa, Napuhi, Naruahine, Te Rarawa, she is a director of Action Station, an independent community action group representing over 100,000 New Zealanders acting together to create what we cannot achieve on our own, a society, economy and democracy that serves people and Papatuanuku, that's our Mother Earth. Laura is also a board member of Just Speak, a youth-empowered organisation working to trans transform our justice sorry, transform our justice system and the workshop, a think and do tank that researches the best way to shift hearts and minds on important kaupapa. So thank you. We'll now play that interview. So the campaign to end live export, it's been going on for a long time. Could you describe why it's important for people to come together and, and collaborate to create change? I guess because it's Tweaky or Te Reo Māori Week, I thought I would share an example from our history about the incredible power um, that ordinary people have to affect huge amounts of change when we take collective action. Um, and so the story I'm going to share is about a woman called Nida Glavish. Um, and in 1984, she worked as a toll operator at the post office. Um, every single day she would answer the phone and say kia ora, which for those who don't know, it actually means be healthy or be well. And um, one day her supervisor overheard her answering the phone like this and threatened to fire her for using a non-standard greeting. Um, so at the time, it's important to note that Nida was renting a post office house, which meant that if she lost her job, she would also lose her home. Uh, but despite that, she refused to back down and she went back to work the next day and she picked up the phone and she said, kia ora. Um, the news of her possible dismissal ended up making it to headlines all around the country. And it made a lot of people angry because they didn't like the idea that someone was going to be fired from their job for saying kia for saying be healthy, be well. So for almost a month, people all around the country organised people in their communities to flood the post office phone lines insisting to talk to the kia lady. Um, this might seem like quite a small action, but of course lots of people taking that small action all around the country again and again and again did create change because what history tells us is that this coordinated effort along with the, uh, along with the petition that was delivered about 10 years earlier um, to Parliament in 1972 that was signed by over 30,000 people calling for active recognition of te reo Māori, all of those things helped create the conditions in which Māori became an official language of New Zealand in 1987. And that's a language that was almost taken away because in this country it was once, you know, legal to beat children for speaking it in schools. And so, of course, if we fast forward 30 years, um, on the Monday that's just been, we had over 1 million people um, in Aotearoa participating in Māori language moment. So... One million people across um, uh, across New Zealand and the rest of the world either spoke te reo or they listened to a te reo waiata or they um, uh, listened to a, a Māori speech or something like that as part of Māori language moment. And I think that um, it's really incredible to recognise that none of that would have happened if it wasn't for ordinary people taking action to create change. And that's that's a powerful movement, and it, it's taken a long time to get there. Um, obviously, we've, but we've seen the success from it. Um, equally, the you know people might feel isolated and helpless at the moment, especially during the COVID environment, and they see inju injustices like live export continue to occur. Um, obviously, it takes time for these things to happen. What advice can you give to people who are joining us for the virtual protest today, who might be feeling maybe a little bit helpless? I would say that these are really strange times that we're living in and it doesn't do us any good to deny the fact that we are in a global pandemic. I think it's really important more than ever for us to be taking care of ourselves and for us to be taking care of each other. 
Um, I think it's I think it's part of the work of creating change in the world to also ensure that you're practicing self-care, but also going beyond that to collective care. Who are the people in your community that need help that you can reach out to for support? Don't be afraid to reach out to others and ask for help and support. There is incredible kindness out there everywhere you look. Um, and I think COVID more than anything has shown us the ability for people to prioritize our collective well-being. We changed our entire lives and moved into our homes um, in order to keep each other safe and well and um and and we've proven that we are capable of an extraordinary things um but those extraordinary things do take time and so i think it re- is really important to be gentle on ourselves um, be gentle on others while we stay strong in the fight for animal liberation beautiful laura thank you very much for joining us today thank you Kia over to me. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to record that earlier today. Thank you, Will. Uh, it's great to be reminded that together we can do so much, and that's what we've done tonight. We have come together. So thank you, all of you, for staying through this evening. This has been, boom, we've just hit it there, 65 minutes, 65 minutes of protest together to represent the 65,000 cows who have been exported from Aotearoa, New Zealand this year alone. 65,000. It's mind-blowing. So thank you so much for uh, attending and for staying. And I know that some of you will be wanting to know about the prize we promised we that we would be announcing at the end of this protest. So it is my pleasure to announce uh, the prize. Now I'm going to read a little bit here because it's super cool. And hey, don't forget you can keep doing those uh, actions as we go. And just a quick live update. Our hashtags are trending on Twitter. So great job everybody. Remember Twitter is global as we're going into our evening, maybe into bedtime here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, other parts of the world are just waking up, having their lunch, doing other things. So let's keep those hashtags going on Twitter. It's absolutely fantastic. Hashtag ban live export NZ and hashtag all live on NZ. Good work team. All right, back to the prize. I know that's what you're waiting for. So the prize we have is $200 gift to the Starfish Bobby Calf Project in your name. What an absolutely amazing gift. The winner of this prize will get the honor of naming a calf who is currently, right at this moment, being rescued by starfish. And they will receive some updates through the first few months of this calf's life in their new forever home. Let me tell you a little bit about this calf. This yet-to-be-named calf is one week old and was born on a dairy farm here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Starfish Bobby... Uh, Sorry, he was due to be placed on a bobby calf truck at just a couple of days old. Starfish Bobby Calf Project was contacted to help him and were given just 24 hours to organise his rescue from the farmer. He was actually put onto the bobby calf truck, but at the last minute, the Starfish Bobby Calf Project was able to arrange transport to collect him. So this fella has had a very, very narrow escape. He has a very sweet nature and he loves cuddles and milk. He is now safe and will live out his life peacefully with people who love and care for him. We don't have photos of him just yet because, like I said, he's just being transported at the moment. Um, But once he's settled into his new home, Safe will share photos of the calf. And once he has been renamed by you, our lucky winner. Who is our winner? Wow. That is to be uh, decided in very random draw and safe will let you know if you have been the lucky winner. I would love to know what you were going to name this beautiful, wonderful calf who has had a very, very lucky rescue. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Thank you so much for all of our absolutely amazing speakers. Thank you for the mahi, the work that you have all done, tweeting, changing your profile frame posting on Facebook, uh, all those fantastic things. Remember to keep doing it. Keep taking action. Uh, This is what makes a difference. The people power. Uh, Nothing else. Nothing else could do. We could all just sit at home thinking, oh, well, somebody else is going to do it. But it's us. So let's keep on doing it. Thank you so much for what you've done. Remember these 65 minutes representing 65 
thousand cows. And let's hope as we keep taking this action together that we can make a really, really big difference, that these numbers won't change, that this will actually be the end. We're not going to see any more live exports. That's what we've come together for this evening. And this is the strong message that we are sending our political leaders here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Don't forget that. It's up to us to let them know what we want. So we will get a ban on live export. It is going to come. To make sure this happens, make sure you keep doing those actions. Uh, please keep following Safe's campaign to make this happen, to ban live export. You can keep up to date with that uh, through a number of these social channels, but the West Bay, jump onto their Facebook page, safe.org. .nz. And you know, another thing that's really going to help, you've given your time and your compassion, and we're so grateful, if you're able to donate. Some people aren't, that's fine, but please, please, if you are able to donate, please go on to the SAFE website, safe.org.nz, uh, and donate what you can, and we'll continue this action, and we will make this happen. Thank you so much. Hey, I am going to uh, finish my evening after being here with you all by jumping onto Twitter, jumping onto Facebook, and just reading all these amazing comments that you have left, uh, seeing all the mahi, all the work that everybody is doing. So I just want to thank you, everybody, so very, very much for joining us from all around the world, all of our amazing speakers. Uh, keep going. Keep doing your absolutely fantastic work together. Together, we will ban live export. Thank you all for joining us this evening, this morning, wherever you are, go well. You've been listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by SAFE for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation and produced by myself, Will Applebeam. Make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite platform is. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. If you want to support the show, head to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash animal matters. Until next time, ka kite anō.